so we are continuing on with our series on ramps to grace that we've been uh, working through in 1 Corinthians. And the scripture that I wanted to uh, focus on this morning um, as a jumping off point is 1 Corinthians 15.10. And that verse says, but by God's grace, I am what I am. And this is Paul speaking here. And his grace towards me was not ineffective. However, I worked more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was with me. So here we find Paul in one verse before that, in verse 9, Paul describing himself as an unworthy person for the title of apostle of Jesus Christ. After all, he oversaw the imprisonment and death of Christians. Why would God ever choose Paul to represent Christ in the world? Well, Paul takes no credit for the turnaround. Christ confronted him on his way to persecute more Christians and converted Paul to the faith in Christ. Christ did, Christ did not do this because Paul had earned something special or had proven himself in some special way. He was unworthy in all aspects for that role. Paul, has, Paul had countlessly proved himself opposed to Christ and all who followed him. But then, what entered the picture? God's grace. And it wasn't wasted on Paul, he adds. And he's not bragging here either. He says, he responded to God's grace through faith in Christ by giving himself heart, soul, mind, and body to the mission he received. He insists that he worked harder than any other, but quickly adding that he does not take credit even for his focus or work ethic. His ability to do that also came from the grace of God. Paul declared that it is only by God's grace that he became what he is or what he was, Christ's messenger. Grace is a good thing that is unearned. Paul did not reform himself and start over. He was transformed and sent out. And so that gives us our launching point for today about the title that I picked for this message as Grace Releases a Spiritual Provision to Change. Grace Releases a Spiritual Provision to Change. Grace gives us the ability to change. And all of us have things in our lives, right, that we would like to change. I know I do. I'm not perfect. There's things that... There's big things and there's small things, and I, I would just like to do better at them. I'd like to do a better job at them, and I'd like to change them. But we so many times feel like we can't make it stick, right? Take New Year's resolutions. <laughs> According to Nielsen Analytics, losing weight, which is a journey I've been on, is the number one resolution that people make followed by finding love, saving money, and on down the road of things that people want to change. And according to the numbers, only 64% of these resolutions last one month. 
46% last longer than the first six months, and only 12% make the first year and then end up failing later on. I want to talk about how we find the power to change anything in our life and how it's not hard and it doesn't take any of my willpower. You might say, how is that possible? That it's not hard and that it doesn't take any of my willpower. It's by the grace of God we can change anything in our lives and it's not hard and it doesn't take any of my willpower. How to find the power to change anything in your life. Let's use another example in the scripture also written by Paul in Romans chapter 7. In this I want to point out three things that are necessary to change anything in our lives. The first one is understand the corrupt and incorrigible nature of the flesh. Incorrigible means it cannot be changed. You have resident in you fallen flesh that will be with you until your time is either done on this earth or Christ's return. The Apostle Paul, who is a Pharisee, who's one of the most brilliant people in the New Testament except for Jesus, and he's one of the most disciplined. Pharisees were known to be very disciplined people. They took how they did things very serious and what manner they did it. And they were very disciplined about that. And so he here in chapter 7 is talking about his inability to change. And if the Apostle Paul struggled with change, then we understand why we do also. Romans 7, starting with verse 14. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning. <laughs> I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all of God's commands are spiritual, spiritual, but I am not. And this is the message version. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I cannot be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide to do bad, but then I do it anyways. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets, gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty, pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Can anybody relate? Paul here, Paul's just being honest here, sharing with us what he's going through. 
Continuing on in Romans 7.23, parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they, they take charge. I tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Is there no one that can do anything for me? So the Apostle Paul here is just being honest and saying, I struggle. I struggle with trying to change. I don't want to do things, but I do them anyways. I want to start doing things, and I can't do it. He says, I do love God. I do delight in God's word and in God's laws, but it's obvious that not all of me agrees with that. Just when I want to do good, parts of me covertly rebel and act against me. And in the King James Version, it says, My flesh wars against me every time I try to do good. In Romans 7, verses 22 through 24, it says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So he asks this question, and he's going to answer it here in just a minute. And I can completely relate to this. I love Jesus. I know I love Jesus. And I want to do the things that are right. But not all of me wants to do that. There's a part of me that tries to trip me up. And so I can totally relate what he's saying here. Every time I want to do the right thing, he says, it's going to be there to try to trip me up. And it's all in us until we're called home or Jesus comes. So what's the answer? So the second point, understanding the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life. Why is it important that the Holy Spirit is in our lives? So in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is being very honest here. He's saying, I want to do the right thing. I can't do the right thing. And at the end of the chapter, he asks the question, Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? Then in Romans chapter 8, the first 16 verses, he mentions the Holy Spirit 15 times. The Apostle Paul is saying, I just can't do it. I've tried everything. I just can't do it. Who's going to save me from this body of death? The answer is through the power of Jesus Christ and the impartation of the Holy Spirit to us, that Holy Spirit that is sent to us when we receive his salvation and we are to receive. In Romans 8, 1 through 11, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. 
that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal minded is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So, so then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because, because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So Paul continues to go on through the chapter talking about the Holy Spirit. And Paul's answer to anybody about who's going to save this body is the grace through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us power to overcome our flesh and to do the things that God wants us to do. You know, God never intended us to live without the, His Spirit. When God breathed life into Adam in Genesis chapter 2, it was the what? The breath of life. God, not, God just didn't breathe oxygen into Adam. He breathed his spirit of life into Adam. And so he never intended us to live without the spirit. But the day that they ate from the tree of life, what happened? The spirit left. They didn't just drop dead. They said they would, he said, you will surely perish if you eat from that tree. Now, when they ate from it, they didn't drop dead right then, right? The spirit left their body what was left, just the oxygen. They were just breathing. So they didn't have God's spirit. It departed from them, and they have the oxygen in their lungs. They're still alive. Then man, we find three chapters later, is so depraved that it was full of violence. The earth was full of violence and corruption, right? Why? Because the spirit of life had left them. We are not designed and cannot live without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Paul again in Galatians 5, listen to what he says. 5 verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not be filled with the lust of the flesh. Pretty simple, right? For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But you are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. Now the, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and he goes into all the works of the flesh. You can see there. And then he goes into the, the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there's 
such as there is no law. He says here, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under what? The law. What does that mean? There is a law of what inside of you? There is a law of sin inside of you. It's in all of us. That's what Paul was talking about there in Romans chapter 7. There's only way, one way to escape the law, and that's by a what? A higher law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And there really is only two choices. You can walk in the power of your flesh, or you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me talk about willpower for just a second. And you know, don't get me wrong. Self-discipline is a good thing. And I'm not saying in any way that it's not important or necessary in our lives. But we know, statistically speaking, how I stated earlier about New Year's resolutions, that we, we can't change. We can't change on our own. There's not the willpower there to change. Example, willpower on our own is like a rubber band. And if you wind it and 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 wind it, eventually, well, let me use this example, weight loss. You want to lose weight. You want to get in shape. You want to be healthier. So you wake up every day, you say, I'm losing weight and I'm getting in shape. And you work out and you eat better that day. Next day, I'm losing weight and I'm getting in shape. You work out. You eat better. Next day, I'm losing weight and I'm getting in shape. I'm relying on my own willpower, but there's that building inside because what's also happening is the flesh is trying to trip you up. And there's these temptations every day. And you keep focusing on losing weight, getting in shape, losing weight and getting in shape, losing weight and getting in shape. And you're just so concentrated on that that one day you snap and you find yourself that you broke into a candy store and you're deaf over a sugar overload. You can only go so far on human willpower. But then it fails. It fails every single time. It fails. Sorry to give you the bad news. You can't do it on your own. There are four categories of sin here in Galatians. There's sexual sins. There's emotional sins. There's sins of excess and spiritual sins. And then there's the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, peace, patience, joy, long-suffering. And they're completely opposite of the sins of the flesh. What the Apostle Paul is saying is if you don't walk in the Spirit, those things are going to naturally happen. There's no stopping it. Maybe not all of them are going to happen to you, but somewhere that's going to happen. One of those areas. They happen because we're not walking in the Spirit. So in Romans 7, the Apostle Paul asks the question, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Which brings us to point three, understanding the provision 
of grace. Romans 8, 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I have a question for you. Why is there no condemnation when we sin? Why is there no condemnation when we sin? Well, there's his grace. Yeah. God didn't expect us to stop sinning. He knows by our own will we can't. See, condemnation is about us. Grace is about Jesus. The devil wants us to focus it on us, right? The devil wants to say, why are you like the way you are? What's wrong with you? You keep doing this, and you keep doing that, and you keep doing this, and look what you did there. He keeps going. He keeps, telling, he keeps telling you, you know what? You keep saying you're going to stop. You keep telling Jesus you're going to stop. You keep saying, I'm not going to do that anymore, and you don't. That's the devil. And in a sense, he's right, because he's focusing on our sinful flesh. And I agree, there is something there. I can't do it on my own. God doesn't expect me to sin. He expects me to yield to his spirit. He knows that we can't stop. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. I can't be a good person. Why? Because goodness is what? A fruit of the spirit. Why is there no condemnation? Because it's not about me. It's about the good things I do it's not about me. It's not about the good things I do or the bad things I do. It's about the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus can I be a good person. Only by the grace of the Holy Spirit can I change. What the devil wants to convince us of is that we are better off if we get our act together and then go to God. The only problem is, is I can't get my act together unless I go to God. And so that's why he's trying to distract you, to think that you need to get it all together before you can come for sin to God. But I tell you this, on my worst day and in my worst conditions, I'm invited into the throne room. Because it is a throne of grace. Amen? It's not about my performance. It's about the grace of God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, it was weak through the fallen flesh God did by sending his son. So when, he sent, when, so when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, here's what he does. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, he releases those fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And for time reasons, I'm going to only focus on two of them right now. But dive into the rest. I encourage you. Seek the Spirit. 
Seek the Holy Spirit. Have him release the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Have him show you. Have him teach you. Have you teach you those ways so that you can overcome sin, that you can be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You say you want to do the right thing? Well, good. Goodness is the Holy Spirit giving you the right desires. I'm going to focus on goodness and self-control this morning. So you have a wanter inside of you. It's like a switch. And when you're doing bad stuff, it's because your wanter switch is switched in the wrong direction. I don't want to live the rest of my life trying to not do something I don't want to do. What is goodness? It's where the Holy Spirit gives me righteous desires and changes my wanter. You can walk in the flesh and battle the flesh all day long, or you can walk in the Spirit, and He can give you the goodness, which means He gives you what? His desires, not your desires. So it doesn't take a lot of my willpower because it is His. It is not mine. So I'm not constantly fighting the flesh every day because He's given me goodness, and He's changed my wanter to his desires. And it stamps out. What does it do to sin? It puts it to death. That's his spirit. It is a higher law than the law of sin. So when I tap into his goodness, I tap into his desires, and it stamps out those desires for sin. It changes my wanter. You also have a canter. It's called self-control. So your canter is what you're able to do and not do. So your wanter says, do this, and you don't want to do it, but your canter is weak. So you come to the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me self-control. What is self-control? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Our flesh is opposite. It's indulgent. It's weak. It gives in so easily. So when you wake in the morning, just say, Holy Spirit, change my wanter. Change my canter. I don't want to wrestle all day with my flesh. I want to have righteous desires, and I want to have self-control so I can do the things that you have set forth for me to do. Every single day, he will give you the grace if you ask for it. Do you know how to get to that point, to ask for it? When you realize that you don't have a 1% chance of success if you don't. Not even a 1% chance of success if you don't ask. If the Apostle Paul can. None of us could. In closing, let me tell you a couple stories. Here's a picture of me and starting two years ago in our journey of weight loss. So on the left was me 90 pounds heavier, and then on the right is after losing the 90 pounds. But every day, every day I have to get up and say, Holy Spirit, Reveal to me 
a healthy life so that I can have a healthy body. Every day, I have to yield. I have to put that fleshly desire to eat the wrong things down and allow the law of the Spirit to reign over that. Well, <laughs> that brings me to the story. Um, we went camping this year, and each year it's gotten better with our food that we bring. But still, you want to bring the camping food. You want to enjoy that. You want to enjoy the, the s'mores, you know, the chocolate and the marshmallows and the graham crackers, uh, the steak dinners and the, whatever you want to bring up camping. I mean, camping just whatever you bring, you know, and it's like it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. But, you know, I can eat whatever I want, you know, for the time. And we go up for a week, you know, and we, um, we bought some of my favorite cookies. One is I love molasses cookies. One, because Melissa's mom used to make homemade ones all the time. And um, I love snickerdoodles. Now, I, I mean, in all essence, I love anything sweet. <laughs> I'm a sweet person. My wife is a, a salty, um, savory type person. So that's her weakness. My weakness is sweets. <laughs> so these were in the trailer all week long. I didn't touch them. Other people had a few. So, but there was still at least two-thirds of a package in each one. And so all week long, um, in the evening after dinner, around 7 or 8, I, get to, I have a snack just before we go to bed, you know. And so I usually eat something healthy, you know, carrots and hummus or something, you know, you know, banana with some almond butter or whatever, you know. But these were in the pantry. And I'd open up the pantry, and there was those cookies. You should throw those away. Well, I, I spend money on those. That's, <laughs> I, work, I work for those. We, somebody will eat those, so I'd leave them. Come back the next day. There are those cookies again in the evening. Those cookies are still there. Uh, I should throw them away. And this goes on all week long. Remember winding that rubber band? What I was forgetting during that time was my time with the Spirit, saying reveal, and I wasn't putting the flesh down. And so come to the end of the week, I open up that cabinet. I'm like, oh, what's a couple cookies? <laughs> so I took a couple cookies, and I sat down and went and ate them. We were watching a movie. It's like, oh, I'm thirsty now. So I get up, go in the kitchen. Oh, those cookies are still in there. <laughs> and so while in the kitchen, so my wife didn't know, I ate four more cookies. <laughs> then I brought the rest of the cookies back with me to the couch. And I ate the rest of those as well. I didn't feel so good. <laughs> One, the sugar rush, and then, man, I didn't. But that's not all that happened that week. I, this, one, this one pains me. And sometimes things hurt. Something I've never done in all of my relationship with my wife. And we just celebrated recently our 25th anniversary. This is a picture of that time. So this is the funny aspect. But also, too, when we get onto the sides of the flesh, we can do things that are hurtful, that can hurt people, not only ourselves, but those around us. And 
so I'd already been dealing with this and some other stuff going on and was, we were trying to get our deck done because Rachel's coming bridal shower and uh, Andrew got sick and <laughs> some other stuff and so it was just we got it all done just in time but in that process the deck wasn't quite done and we were all Andrew was putting these boards out each night for the dogs to get to the grass so they could do their restroom business and so um, they there's this last board that would wobble and so I would check it each time and I had checked it earlier and so we were letting the dogs out that evening before we go to bed and, and there's just some other stuff going on too and um, my wife's like did you check that board and I'm like um, or no is that board secure and I'm like yeah I checked it and she's like well um, maybe we should check it you know I it doesn't look very secure and I says I I don't know why but I turned to her and I'm like do you think I'm lying to you we've been married 25 years do you think I would lie to you that the board's not safe you know and she started to go on about you know that's not what I meant and since you I couldn't even hear what she was saying I just my mind was so focused on how could you not trust me in what I'm saying and I finally and I said some other stuff that was I don't remember everything I said I've never done this in all of our years of marriage I've never done this but I succumb to pride in that moment and I finally just said to her I said fine you let him in I'm going upstairs and I went upstairs I expected her to come shortly but a time passed she never had come so I texted her I said you coming upstairs she said I have never had you speak to me that way I don't know if I should come upstairs right now maybe you need to cool down I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me and says do you want to resolve this I have been raised that you do not let the sun go down on your anger or wrath. You work it out. So I text her back and I just like, come upstairs. Let's talk about it. Let's work it out. See, at that moment, I began to allow the Holy Spirit back in and begin to lead me in that time of what the solution was to trample down that sin nature of my flesh, to bring the resolution to that time so she came upstairs we talked about it and the spirit just began to real, reveal to me it wasn't a question about whether I was telling her the truth or not it was her concern that everybody was going to be okay that reassurance and what would have it taken me but a few seconds to walk out there and to check the board again it had been a while since I had checked it. What would it have cost me but a few seconds to check it again? It had nothing to do whether or not I was lying to her or not. It was about that reassurance. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in. He reassures you who you are in Christ. And he teaches you to release you into your destiny in Christ Jesus and he teaches you the solution he shows you the path to take and what to do 
John 16, 13, I need to be done. I'm over. <laughs> However, when, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's not going to lie to you. You're not having much success with your flesh. You're always failing there. He's going to guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I say that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He will declare that victory over sin in your life. If you'll just yield to the Spirit and listen to the guidance of the Spirit in your life, he will release the provision in every way to conquer what you are trying to change. And we just declare that in the name of Jesus. I just want everybody to just, let's declare, and let's be as bold as Paul was in saying this. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, let's declare this together, just like Paul was declaring it, because we are declaring that the same Holy Spirit that was helping Paul is the same Holy Spirit that is helping us today. So 1 Corinthians 15.10, it says, But by God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not ineffective. However, I have worked more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was with me. Amen. We just bless you this morning, Pastor Dan. Does anybody want some cookies? <laughs> I don't want them in my house. <laughs> Stand up. Thank you, Jeremiah. Great, great, great work. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. His resurrection life is giving our mortal bodies life. So it's a reminder, uh, Marty Peterson's prophetic group is going to be ministering. If you'd like to receive an encouraging and inspiring word from God today, Hang out afterwards for a bit, and starting in about five minutes, they'll be starting that prophetic ministry, supernatural um, blessing by the Holy Spirit into our lives. And want to just say, God bless you all. Thanks for being with us. We love you. God loves you. Stay focused on the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, okay? God bless us.